United States, there's an elite society. No, not the secret sandwich society, but there is an elusive club that only has 63 members and has been around for almost 150 years. But up until 2020, West Virginia wasn't part of the party. Finally, that changed. As of December 27, 2020, when the New River Gorge was designated a national park and preserve, the first national park in the Mountain State and the 63rd in the country. And today we speak with Dave Arnold. He's a board member of Adventures on the Gorge and has been around the NRG community since the early 70s. And he tells us why that national park designation has been something in the works for almost 60 years. And also why that is so fulfilling because that original vision of the Gorge becoming a national playground is still alive and very strong today. This conversation is one that everyone will enjoy about West Virginia and the new national landmark that we have. So let's get to it. Mace, hit the music. does not always shine in West Virginia, but the people always do. Okay, Dave Arnold's our guest today. He's the board member of the Adventures on the Gorge, which is something that we were just talking about that's been around for a while. And uh, strategic, your strategy, right? That's that's what uh, you're trying to Pick your battles, and, and we're, we're glad that you, you're joining us today here. Yeah. I spent a lot of years in the trenches doing operational things, uh, over 40 <laughs> years. So it was kind of nice to just do more st- strategical work. And, and getting the New River Gorge as a national park uh, has been one of our strategies for many, many years. We've talked about it, oh, I don't know, since we started in 1977. And, and let's kind of walk back through this because I think that's so interesting, this story, because we got on the phone the other day and you said that this has been something that's been brewing in the mix for over 60 years. Um, you know, walk us back. How, what was the, uh, why the final decision, why here in 2020 was this deemed a national park and preserve, but also tell us kind of what, what you know, the full story. How did we even get to this point? Well, it, it is a really interesting story and I'll give you a, kind of a concise, quick version of it. Can't be too quick because it's 60 years. But it, it really started in the late 50s. And, and it basically started with an idea. You know, there were people and they were the power brokers of Fayette County, the bankers, the lawyers, the judges, the, the state senators, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, and they looked at the gorge and they realized it was something really special. It really wasn't a place in the East anywhere else. So they started talking about it. Probably the first really significant piece, if you're studying the history of this, was um, a letter was written in the early 60s, 62, I believe, maybe 63. And it, it was sent to President Kennedy, which is amazing. And it was a joint resolution of the House and the Senate, of the West Virginia House and the West Virginia Senate, a joint resolution asking the president to prioritize New River Gorge for national protection. Wow. And if you if you read the document, what is unbelievable is that they talk about all kinds of things that exist today. They talk about its potential for outdoor adventure. They talk about its beauty and its scenery. Now, 
have some state parks. And so, you know, the Hawks Nest, Babcock, uh, Grandview, you know, so they kind of were touching on it a little bit with the state park system. And that allowed them to realize they had something very, very special. But, you know, they also talked about gateway town development and how restaurants and entrepreneurship would happen if this became a national park. So then there was a lot of talk about it. I'm not really sure. One of the blanks in history that I'm not sure about is why that momentum slowed down. But then you get to um, 1973. So, you know, if you look at the documents, what you find is that the governor, which was Governor Arch Moore at the time, which is significant to this story because his daughter, uh, Senator Cap, now very instrumental in, in at this time. Well, anyway, Governor Moore and Senator Randolph really, really got involved and they focused their, all their work through the Chamber of Commerce. So you'll see documents where the Chamber of Commerce in 1973, um, run by a gentleman named J.B. Hess, and then some of the, like Senator Pat Hamilton, who was one of our state senators from Fayetteville, um, Tommy Miles, a lawyer, Frank Mahan, a lawyer. Anyway, you see people like that getting on the bandwagon. And what was kind of neat about that, and again, this applies to what's happening now, you had Jennings Randolph as a Democrat, and you had Arch Moore as a Republican working together, just like we have Senator Manchin and Senator Capito working together. Mm -hmm. And, and the, the literature is very strong. Um, if you look at the newspaper reports from 1973, really fall of 73 till 1974, there's just a whole lot of action. And they're following that same momentum from the Senate Resolution 9 that happened uh, in the early 60s. And they're looking at a study to be done and the study concludes that maybe we're not ready for a national park yet. Um, you see things like, oh, I, one of the comments that Frank Mahan made was, you know, I don't want to have to look through a gated fence at the national park. So, so, so they were a little bit afraid of that there would be too much protection, too much emphasis on protection. And eventually, in 1978, uh, federal legislation passed making New River a national river. So we, most of my career, the first time I went on the river was 1970. And, and by the way, in the 70s, I, I, I had pieces of this, but I was too young. You know, I was, in, uh, I was a teenager, you know, and uh, I came here to kayak and to run the river and family trip and stuff like that. And then in 76, I started guiding Again, I was feeling all this on the periphery, but I didn't really understand its impacts as I do now. Well, 1978, we open our business in 77. It becomes a park. And the thing that really, really made the difference, and if there's any driver in West Virginia tourism uh, that's the most significant, it would have to be the building of the interstate system. <laughs> so what happened was, obviously... A lot of people look at the New River Gorge Bridge and they go, well, wow, that's why it all happened. That's not true. The bridge is just a symbol of a, of a government policy really started by Eisenhower 
um, to build an interstate system across the United States. Yep. And, and lo and behold, we have this unbelievable signature right in front of us. Uh, we bought property. We started leasing it within sight of that bridge uh, in 1977. And here's the bridge. Here's the interstates. The people are coming. All the stars are lining up. All this vision that went all the way back to the 50s is now coming to fruition. So what's happened in the last 40 years, the park started acquiring land. And something that was really important to Senator Byrd was that there would be no eminent domain in this park. It had to be a willing seller, a willing buyer. And there never has been eminent domain. Um, there's something that some people refer to as willing eminent domain, meaning that sometimes somebody might have a reason to let the, they want the government to close them down. But, but other than that, there's never been any eminent domain in this park. So here we are today. We own majority of New River Gorge National Park. When I say we, I'm talking about the people of the United States, the Department of Interior. And we, along with a bunch of other people say, okay, maybe it's now time to make this a national park. The vision that was there in the late 50s. So Senator uh, Capito passes a bill to make it a national park. Um, I'm a hunter. I mean, I'm here hunting uh, right now at my family farm. Uh, I tried to make it a national park where you could hunt. At the time, I, I just didn't realize what I was doing. And after being <laughs> fighting an up, impossible thrown, <laughs> oh, it's impossible. I, I, you know, I got beat up. They threw me out of the saloon. A couple cars <laughs> ran over me on purpose. They didn't like try to miss me. They tried to hit me. And, you know, and I had blood all over me. It was like time to, to punt. And at that time, and, and by the way, the, you know, the, the National Park is the gold star. It is the best of the best. And, you know, there's a lot of people that have a vision if hunting was in the parks that you'd be shooting, you know, buffalo at Yellowstone. Um, that, that's not what we were talking about. But Senator Manchin then comes through and Joe says, hey, let's make this a park and preserve. And it's the model of it. Most of the parks and preserves are in Alaska. And it's the same kind of thing. You had an indigenous population that was, their culture was based on hunting, but they had significant natural resources. The best example would be Denali, um, Mount McKinley. So Denali, here, the significant thing was obviously this grandiose mountain, but there was a lot of land there that people had been hunting on for many years. So they take a piece, in that case, Denali, the mountain, and they make it the park, and the rest is the preserve and you can hunt. It's the same thing that happened here. We take the New River Gorge, the, the lower section, the most vertical, where the best white water is, and we make that a national park, roughly 7,000 acres, and an additional 65,000 acres becomes the preserve. So that's the bill that passed. Uh, there's obviously more to it than that, but there's a quick uh, 60 years of history in five minutes. 
Yeah. That's and Dave, for our listeners, so you were way what year did you and I'm guessing a group of people decide to found Adventures on the Gorge? And was that just because you were a young guy rafting? You're like, hey, you know what? I love this so much. Let me let me try to make it a business. Let me make outdoor recreation a part of what I do. How did that come about? And then now, obviously, what does that mean for you guys um, for this you know new designation now for the park? Sure. Good. Great question. Um, so here, here's sort of my history, Coop. The, um, I graduated from college. I was pre-med. I was going to med school. My wife and I both were <laughs> pre-med. And I was just tired of education. Um, it was brutal. You know, <laughs> uh, my wife was smart and just cruised through head work. And like, it was, anyway, <laughs> I, I said, enough is enough. Well, Prior to that, I had run rivers a lot. I told you I was here in 1970 with a family mm-hmm. vacation, um, one of my business partner's family. And um, we taught kayaking in North Carolina in college. Um, we learned to kayak. It's, it's kind of funny. The kayak industry, all the boats used to be made with molds. So if, if there was a mold, and the molds came from Europe. So if you had, a, let's say, a Yugoslavian mold, um, then boats were being popped out of it. And some bo- molds, by the way, took two weeks to make a boat. My, one of my last kayak I made took two weeks. So back then, I saw a kayak on a car. You knew that person because they were unique and they were rare. Um, today, you just go to Walmart and can buy one. The, 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 you know, the, the plastic industry. What kind of molds uh, are those at Walmart? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they they're called roto molds now, and they just they, they turn and they spit liquid plastic and put heat and boom, <laughs> pop them out in you know an hour. But anyway, so we taught kayaking early when there were very few people in the industry. We were teaching kids that one of the centers of because these the molds were places wherever there was a mold, there it was a center. So Slippery Rock State had a mold. That's why you see some some really good kayaking in Pennsylvania. Um, Cincinnati, Cincinnati Sierra Club, Columbus, Ohio, the youth hostels there, um, the American youth hostel, they, they had a mold. So North Carolina had a mold. And so we went to North Carolina and worked in the kayak industry. And the rest of it, Cooper, was basically, you know, your standard thing. Start as a kayaker. You know, somebody comes up to you and says, hey, you know how to kayak, you wanna teach? Okay, yeah, yeah sure. So then we taught for a couple of years. Then we guided rafts. I guided for a guy named Paul Brewer at Mountain River Tours, who eventually became my business partner, one of my okay. business partners. And um, guiding led to owning. So it was, you know, those steps, bang, 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 bang. And it didn't have anything to do with, you know, pre-med. And, and, right. and interesting enough, when we started it, um, this is kind of funny. People ask me, say, why, why, who, why, who are these partners of yours? Well, it was basically anybody who could come up with seven thousand five hundred dollars. We we needed thirty grand to start to come in. That was to buy the rafts, and uh, three other people came up with seventy five hundred bucks. So we got thirty grand. There we go. So, yeah, <laughs> you and, didn't and, even know your partners, but <laughs> they had the well, money. <laughs> one of them I guided with. He was from New York. Um, another one I was in the you know, literally I've known him since I was, I don't know, in the crib. He, he was uh, my roommate in college, my freshman year. Um, I played football with him. He was my wrestling partner in high school. I mean, 
you know, really, really close, go back way, 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 way back. And the other one was his brother. So our partnership was really good and stayed together for many years. And we're still solid. Uh, our kids are now best friends and we live next to each other and it's all good. Adding curiosity, what high school did you go to? I went to a high school called um, Marymount High School, which is in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm not a native West Virginia. Um, uh, I came, I've lived here for over 40 years now. Um, we came here in, I guess, 75 and haven't left since. So um, matter of fact, my wife and I are speaking, uh, we, we live in the same house. I'm like, nobody lives in the same house anymore for their, you know, <laughs> and I'll probably die in this house, which by the way, is right on the rim of the New River Gorge. Um, I was going to say, dude, you got like a good view. Probably took some good property, yeah. <laughs> yeah, back then, uh, you know, people would like say, you know, well, the, I wouldn't want to live there. There's snakes, you know. Like, okay, I'd like to buy that right on the rim. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, I'll take it, yeah. Yeah, I'll take it. Do you, so. do you look back now at that decision early on and it, maybe even especially now over the last month, now that they've redesignated this as a national park, and do you look at the success that Adventures on the Gorge has had over the last – you know, 50 years, nearly 50 years, and think maybe this is one of the reasons why they came back and redesignated this finally as a national park because of some of the success that you guys had and, and the popularity that, that the company has grown in over, over the last, you know, four decades? Sure. Well, I, there's a, again, it's a complicated answer. Some of it has to do with us. Um, the part that has to do with us this here's a little bit more of the story. So our industry grew like a bad dog. I mean, we just grew, 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 grew. Like I said, I, when we started it, I thought maybe it worked two years and then maybe go back to med school. But, <laughs> um, you know, that didn't happen because we were growing and we were just like, you know, right. running, feeding from a fire hose. So in 1995, the industry actually peaked about 225,000 commercial rafters. And then in 2000, it was really close. So let's just say in 2000, the industry was, you know, peaking. Well, since 2000, so the last 20 years, the industry has declined. Um, now, our business model has changed and we're still very successful because we changed from being a rafting company to being a rafting resort. So, you know, our revenue now comes from other sources. We were, our wagon was pulled by just, you know, one strong horse, you know, big old Percheron, which was called rafting. Well, today we have all kinds of horses, you know, we have lodging and food and beverage and zip yeah. lines. And yep. so, so anyway, um, part of this is in the, the forming of the park was in a relationship to a declining business. Um, a lot of companies were not as lucky as us. Um, a lot of companies, some went bankrupt, uh, some just closed shop, some were acquired and merged. We're a product of emerging. Uh, but it, it needed a, a, a kick. Now, this is not a home run, but this is, I'll call it a solid double. You know, <laughs> um, I think it's more than a single, but this is a strong hit. Um, but it's standing not, double. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a standing double. And, and, it, and it's not, um, yeah, and we're coming in with our hands up going, yeah. <laughs> but um, anyway, this will help. If, if you really look at what happens when a national park comes in, uh, there's certain studies and you'll hear statistics. You'll hear somebody say, well, um, in this place, in five years, they had 25% growth. Well, you know, you can't look at that because every location is different. What is solid is that there is growth. 
So what happens when you have a national park is one of the biggest things is search. Uh, in today's world in vacations, search is everything. Well, if you Googled New River Gorge National River, you know, it, it would come up with all kinds of national wild and scenic rivers and all this stuff. Well, the, the, the top 63 parks, the gold star, they, they come up. They're the ones that come up. And, and especially if you're looking at international visitation. But national visitation, international visitation, this is a huge step because of search. And what, what generally, when a park comes in, the winner is the gateway towns. So what does that mean? Well, I'll give you an example. Uh, I don't know, Teton National Park, Jackson Hole, Wyoming, uh, Arches, Bryce, Moab. Um, you know, you, you have these towns that are the true beneficiaries. The, mm -hmm. I can tell you right now, this is pretty solid. The towns will be where the growth comes from. We'll get some growth, don't get me wrong, but the towns will be affected by this a lot. Uh, Fayetteville is an obvious town that's gonna, gonna have maybe the most growth uh, because of its location, but you're gonna see Oak Hill, maybe Mount Hope a little bit too because of the Boy Scout Summit. You're gonna see Hinton. So the, the gateway towns, Hinton, Oak Hill, Mount Hope, Fayetteville, um, maybe Summersville to some extent. Maybe even Montgomery coming up the, from Charleston. Like, who knows? Like, Yeah, let's hope Montgomery. You know, Montgomery needs, they can take any shot in the arm they can get right now mm -hmm. uh, with, with WVU um, falling out of there. Gone. So, yeah. yeah. And, and, and here's an interesting one, too, for you. If you look at the 63, the 62, the 74, if you look at those articles, they talk in terms of the park going from um, Hinton to Golly Bridge. Well, mm. you know, so far that never happened and hasn't happened yet. The, this park goes down to Hawk's Nest and actually on one side of the river, it goes a little further, but it's never gone as far as they originally wanted. And, and part of that is because of, as you get to that end of the park, there are things like, you know, Hawk's Nest Lake, um, there's a dam, you know, um, uh, there's energy provided that dam for an industry that's struggling. So there, there's people that have always been a little bit, really, we can go all the way to Golly Bridge? My prediction is someday they will do a boundary extension to Golly Bridge. Hey guys, Cooper here. Hopefully you're enjoying the week and thank you for listening to the Mountaineer Media Podcast. Just want to say, if you are enjoying it, can you give us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts? The only reason we ask that of you is because it really does help more West Virginians discover us and we appreciate every single listen. Just another quick update, if you're still wanting to order a Mountaineer Media Podcast hat, we have four gray ones left. Simply email us at mmpgear at gmail.com. And also a quick thank you and appreciation to Mr. B. Mr. B sponsors the Mountaineer Media Podcast, and we couldn't bring it to you without them. So thank you, Mr. B and Mary Ann Kettleson. All right, guys, let's get right back to the conversation with Dave Arnold. Dave, talk to me about, because Fayetteville has been a, a place that I've been visiting for years. My A good family friend of mine has a farm just outside of Fayetteville, and it's been in their family since like the early 1800s. So, uh, you know, I've had the chance to go down to Fayetteville and, you know, check out Secret Sandwich Society, Dirty Ernie's. I don't know if Dirty Ernie's <laughs> is, is still open. I don't know if they made it or not. Um, yeah. Good little rib place. Yeah, um, yeah. But um, yeah, sure. 
beautiful area and i'm the kind of kayak that's like you know I'll, I'll i'll do the float with the the beer attached to me behind the kayak i'm not if i'm like the, <laughs> i'm not going over no, waterfalls no. kind of kayaking but maybe if you take uh, us out yeah. maybe if you teach us the way um but talk to us about like bridge day and how from your experience what what how did that even come about and for folks that listen and if you're west virginia and odds are you do know what bridge day is but it's basically where people uh brave souls base jumpers jump off the bridge and it's what 876 feet i think down to the bottom um how did that come about and then you know that would that was something i went to as a kid that would draw what felt like tens of thousands of people hopefully post-covid that comes back but how did that come about well, there were two parts to that question, Cooper. One, um, your friends that have their farm in Fayetteville, mm-hmm. tell them to hang on to it. <laughs> yeah, the Abbott, it's the Abbott Farm, by the way. It's the Smolder family, the Abbott Farm. But yeah, it's a historic, it's actually a historic landmark now. But yeah, I'm sure they're, I'm sure they're happy they're hanging on to it. <laughs> yeah, well, I know the farm well. I knew Judge Abbott well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert, Robert, the circuit judge. Um, Ballman is one of my best friends. Rob, Matt, they're all great friends. So anyway... Uh, I know that farm well, and I don't even have to ask a question. They will hang on to it for, I know, I know that well. We'll have to talk about that another time. But anyway, um, Fayetteville has, uh, interesting enough, a lot of growth right now because of COVID and surrounding areas. Um, there's a lot of people that have, they're looking at what I realized 40 years ago, maybe it's not so great to live in the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I ought to get out of Washington, New York, Miami, and they're looking for property in West Virginia. They're also looking at Jackson Hole and, you know, all over any rural part of America. So um, Fayetteville is going to continue to grow, like we talked about. Uh, Bridge Day, the second part of your question, mm-hmm. Bridge Day has happened just, it was just when the bridge was opened, um, they just needed some kind of celebration. So uh, Governor Rockefeller at the time, you're going to be kidding me. Yeah, I mean, Let's they jump just, off the damn thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they just did a, 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 they opened it and let everybody walk across. It was like, I don't know, it was kind of a wacky idea. And, you know, I love whack. I'm like the king of <laughs> whack. Let's you test know. this thing out. Everybody just start walking across. and <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and the whack in Bridge Day is gone. It's amazing they do what they do. I mean, that's evolved from just walking across the, as you guys both know, now we got a catapult on it yeah. and you put somebody in it and you count down and the catapult flings them out into the court. I look at that thing and I go, are you kidding me? Yeah, it makes it's me nervous the, just being out there. Yeah. To me, it's the greatest thing in the world. Not that they're doing it. It's that the government and people let it happen. I mean, can you imagine walking in someplace and say, Hey, I got this great idea. Let's catapult people off the bridge. But anyway, it is truly an amazing event. Um, I, I don't mean to focus on the catapult, but I mean, can you imagine going anywhere else and you, you're like, you're at I, anywhere, arches, you're at Yosemite and you walk up and there's a catapult there and they're flinging people off of, yeah, there's a diving board and a catapult <laughs> half dome. Yeah. And there's a diving board and there's people in pig outfits going off of the diving board. You, you'd be thinking you were on another planet, but <laughs> you know, again, you know, our slogan, almost heaven, right? Or, or the one I like even better in this situation is wild and wonderful. Yeah, wild <laughs> yeah that is really wild and wonderful. <laughs> yeah. So, Bridge Day, um, th- the answer to your question, could but just evolved. It started with just a very simple thing. The, the eventually we had to get the Senate and the House 
because there was questions of whether we, we did it just in the beginning because Rockefeller said we're going to do it. But eventually we need to have something significant. So the House passed that there would be a bridge day. And that's why it's always the same day. It's the third week after in September. Um, so, so we got, uh, you know, state law to make mm -hmm. bridge day a reality. And it's not happened in certain events. Um, for example, 9-11, you know, we, we punted on it. And, but uh, this year, you know, we punted on it. But mm -hmm. it, it's, it's just, a, it's really special. It's very unique. It, 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 the value of it is probably that it generates a huge amount of national and international attention right. to, to West Virginia. Well, and it's like, I mean, it's such a culture experience too. I mean, you got guys with like chainsaw and bears, you know, the wood carvings, you got food, you've got the local artistry that are all kind of hanging out on the, you know, either end of the bridge and then everyone's walking down through there. Um, you know, like you said, amazing attention getter um, and just, uh, you know, a celebration of a culture of West Virginia people, um, uh, more importantly, like you mentioned. Yeah. And one, one more comment on that, Coop, going back to the first part of your question, you know, Judge Abbott, was one of the people that was just a huge uh, cheerleader for this area. Uh, I mentioned Frank Mahan because he was actually on the committee. Um, the Mahans and the Abbots, as you probably know, were great friends. But the people that really need recognized right now for making this happen are the people like Capito and Manchin um, and, and um, Carol Miller. But if you really want to recognize some people, there's a lot of them that are they're underground right now. Judge Abbott, Frank Mahan, Senator Randolph, Arch Moore, um, you know, Pat Hamilton. I could go on and on and on, but there were people that got it. And mm -hmm. one of the really neat things is you touched on when you asked me where I went to high school. You know, here we were a couple of Buckeyes. And the only reason why we're here is we had whitewater knowledge because we were teaching at those camps in North Carolina. Um, I remember I was here kayaking and we were flooded off and Paul Brewer, the guy I worked for came up to me and he said, are you still in this industry? And I said, yeah. And he said, man, I'm looking for somebody to help me teach people how to run rivers. Well, again, you got to look back to see this, but at that time we were teaching people like, for example, I don't know if you know, Ballman, Ballman Abbott, we were teaching him how to run rivers, Randall Ballard, some of the very early guides, um, there were a couple of us that knew Whitewater that were helping teach. Um, one of the things that I love about this industry is that it is primarily run by West Virginia. Um, one of my favorite things is cultural tourism. So people come here and they want a guide who was raised here, you know, spent his time climbing over the cliffs and hanging out and a kid drinking beer and underneath one of the caves when his parents didn't know. And, you know, all these things, they, they, they want that local personality. They want that twang. Um, the same way if you went anywhere else, if you went to Utah or you went to Africa, Serbia, whatever, you, you don't, you don't want some guide from Los Angeles. You know, you want somebody native and, and the guides are just the quality of the boatmen and boatwomen, the, the girls and guys here, are as good as you'll find anywhere in America. I'll tell you a quick story that proves that. One day I get a call from this guy. His name was Richard Banks. Richard ran rivers all over the world. And he calls me, this is like 30 years ago, back when there were airplane tickets. And he says, 
I need a guide in two days in Zambia uh, on the Zambezi River. And I said, um, and he's calling us because he knows our guides are as good as anywhere in the world. Wow. And it, it, a lot of that is because of the rivers. You know, if you can run the Gali and the New, you can yeah. run anywhere. So I said, well, Richard, call me back in two hours. Let me go talk to the guides. I'll walk over and I say to the, there's a bunch of guides sitting there. And I say, hey, anybody want to go to Zambia, run the Zambezi? And this guy named Conrad Forney, I don't know if you know him. Um, rest in peace. The boy passed away in a kayak accident, but was a great boatman. He was a West Virginia boy from, I believe, Ravenswood. Conrad says, hey, I'm in. Put me in. I said, Conrad, don't mess with me. I mean, I'm going to have airline tickets shipped here in two days. Um, you'll be on a plane. And this other guy named Tim says, I'm in. I'm in. I said, come on, man. <laughs> you, 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 you really going to do it? Because I'm supplying and we're in. So I turn around. This is a true story. I walk 10 feet and Conrad says, hey, Dave. I go, what, Conrad? He goes, where's Zambia? <laughs> I, said, uh, I said, Conrad, it's in Africa. And this was his exact words. Oh, cool, man. I was wondering if it was maybe in Logan County or something. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> a long way from here. Boy. <laughs> and, and, and Conrad and Tim got on that plane. They went to Africa. Tim spent two years, and Conrad, two years in Africa um, running trips on the Zambezi, which is some people call it the Slambezi because it's like New River. It's just big. And when New River is big, it's like that. But it's a very tough piece of water. But wow. anyway, so um, the guides are as good as anywhere in America here. And uh, we're very lucky. Uh, they bring the people back. Right. I think that goes along with such the vision. You talk about all of those guys that help set the foundation, some of the people that are underground now, but set the vision and set the foundation for what this place can be. You know, you, you've got some of the best guides in the world here. I mean, it is, this is something people want to be a part of, right? This is something that you, you this is a team you want to be on. If you love the outdoors, you love kayaking, you know, and, and I'm sure that you've seen that even probably grow more so. Absolutely. You know, we, you tend to brag sometimes on your guides that have, you know, maybe accomplished something unbelievable, you know, that maybe they're from California and they've climbed McKinley and, you know, maybe they've been on Everest or something and you're like, wow. But what you really want is a combination of those people. And then the real magic of, of our staff is that we actually, it's the real magic of the guiding industry. You can take people that are so far apart in politics, um, how they look at life, culture. And it, it, when you put them in on a raft team, it's all about the river. Yeah, it's all teamwork <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah, it's yeah, all exactly. teamwork now. And it's a Republican, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're an RD, you know, it's, it's um, you know, you my back if I mess up. That's what it's about. You know, we work together. Everybody knows the river always ends up winning. So everybody knows somewhere along the line, you could be the show. And, uh, you know, they want to make sure they're with people that are good. And, you know, there's an energy to it that's very, very different than anything I've ever seen. Um, I'm sure it's probably the same way with professional sports. You know, I'm sure if you're on a WV's football team, there's probably that similar, yeah. you know, or Marshall or, you know, whoever, not to. The kind of collective. Yeah. Spirit. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, Dave, that's, that's a good point. Like it's, and I think West Virginia culture is such a, uh, really a, a perfect, um, kind of resembles that fit because yeah, like we're, you can be a guest here and you could come to West Virginia and a West Virginian person is going to treat you like yeah. who you are based on your yeah. character, no matter where you're from. Yeah. And that's the difference that people, they come like, wow, those people are nice. That guy held the door for me. What the hell's wrong with him? Like, <laughs> you know, like it's like, I, I, I can't imagine a better culture to have a place that brings people to it because of the character of our people. And I think, um, you know, I don't, I don't know if there are fears that, okay, is this going to bring too many people that we don't know? Is it going to like bastardize our culture? I don't think so because I, I, you know, if West Virginia can be like the East coast, Colorado tourism state, will that change it? I think at its core, our people will, you know, you come here and I, th- I think you would really, um, people would assimilate and appreciate the culture that it is and not just, uh, I, I, don't, I don't have any fear like that. I guess that's what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, I have to say this. It is our choice what we become. In other words, you know, we now have this park. Um, this is just one of the steps in the evolution, just like all the other steps I've been talking about. So if we fight to keep our culture, if we fight to to make sure that this park doesn't become whatever, Pigeon Forge or whatever, uh, Gatlinburg, it will happen. It's just, we will, we meaning the people in the outdoor adventure industry and the political world will make this happen. And there's not really a whole lot we can do about it um, other than participate. So hopefully the, my message is, you know, if you care, participate, get out mm-hmm. there and and let, let it be known uh, that, you know, we don't want this to become X and we do want it to become this. And uh, I have a saying I tell people a lot. I say, say it, believe it, you'll become it. So, I love um, it. yeah. So the 63rd National Park and Preserve, right? Yep. River Gorge is now the 63rd. Can you tell us, give us maybe some insight into how that happened this year? Did you have an idea maybe last year it was going to happen? Did this COVID relief package that it was tied into push that effort to kind of get it over the hump to become a national park? You know, what are some of the inside scoops that you can give us about how this ended up coming to be over the last six months, I guess? So the, as I was telling you before, like the foundation was the Chamber of Commerce when, in the mm-hmm. 1970s. The foundation this time was the county commissions. So there was a joint resolution that passed unanimously of all the county commissions that are by the new river, Summers, Raleigh, um, Mercer. So, so we had resolutions passed uh, of all the county commissions that it was time to look at this as a national park. So that, that was the foundation. Then what happened was there was piling on and we had people like mayors. And so, so the political structure was right for this to happen. So then what happened was the rafting industry, some of the owners of the rafting industry have been pushing this for many, many years. So we jumped on it also. A lot of people thought that the rafting people did this. We were a big part of this, but we, we this wasn't a total drive by us. You don't have that so, much juice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, we supplied some juice, but the... The foundation was set by other things. And we sat down with both um, Senator Capito and Senator Manchin. Uh, As you know, we live in a world of contention and politics is very, you know, everybody's like snapping at each other. And 
to have an R and a D work together, and they both had amazing strengths. You know, Senator Manchin was the ranking um, minority leader on energy, and energy is the Natural Resource Committee. So all the legislation for national parks comes out of his committee. Um, maybe as of today, you know, he may be in an even a more important seat, but the minority leader, the ranking member um, on energy is a big deal. Shelley is a Republican. You know, we needed Trump. We, we needed the, the powers of the Republican Party. Um, and so, as I told you, originally Shelley took the lead and we wrote the bill, but it, it just, the, when I said I was bloodied, the, it was the national park lobbyists that were like, Dave, ain't gonna happen, no way. I went to Washington, talked to a bunch of them, had dinners at our place yeah. of work. They, they made it very clear that this was a line in the sand. So then Mansion, as I told you, we back off to park and preserve. But again, this is all about Shelley and Joe working together. The governor got involved. He was in favor of it, which meant, you know, Stephen McDaniel's director of natural resources. So we get everybody involved and the park service is willing to let this happen. And the game, just the snowball build up snow. Once we had the, the group, uh, the question was, how do we throw it in? The first bill for the CARES was, um, Jesus. Anyway, the first act with the CARES Act was that there was. Um, it's not nighttime. There's there's no owls actually hooting for anybody that's listening to this. Hey, Peggy, can you turn that off? <laughs> so anyway, like like we said, we can edit, right? <laughs> it's gone, but it, it might ring again. It's rang a couple times before. Okay, we'll go back again. So, so we're talking about um, how the bill became in the recent years. And, and what ended up happening was this, the first CARES Act, people didn't want to throw stuff in it. It was sort of a handshake deal. Nobody was messing with it. Well, this CARES Act, as you're well aware, you know, there was a lot of stuff in it. And it, beca it became- A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. And it became the vehicle. Um, you know, a lot of people don't understand how it works. You don't just pass a bill making something a national park. That, right. that doesn't happen. Um, almost all federal legislation, especially on something like this, is a part of another bill. So anyway, the vehicle came about and we were able to put it in and it, it, it made it through. So um, we've, we had Senator, we've had Senator Manchin come on the podcast. Maybe we'll get Shelly to come on and talk about her role in it as well. Yeah, that would be awesome. And like you said, Senator Manchin might end up being one of the most powerful members of the Senate. <laughs> over the next week or so i, th I think you come today <laughs> yeah yeah i mean there's only one senator bird but we got somebody stepping up uh, that direction but, but <laughs> yeah. and, and 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 by the way cooper i think you would be really smart because shelly senator capito's connection to this is very deep um as i mentioned earlier her father governor moore was very behind a lot of this not just the building of the bridge we all know that's those stories but he was, if you look back at the literature again in the 70s, he was right there working with Senator uh, Jennings Randolph. Right. So Arch was very involved in, and Shelly, because I've worked with her a bunch on this, you know, she feels, um, I don't know what you'd call it. She, she feels there's a legacy there. Mm -hmm. You know, something that she, 
I would highly recommend that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, look, Dave, thank you so much, man. I mean, we appreciate getting someone with, uh, you know, I don't know if anyone has as much perspective as you do on this because you've been with this for decades. You've been a founding member of it. And now it's, I'm sure it's pretty almost emotional for you to see this to fully come to fruition like this. Um, you know, so we appreciate you coming on the podcast and, you know, giving us that inside look at it. And maybe uh, you can take us down on the river and I'll, I'll change from a beer drinking kayaker to like a, a whitewater raft. <laughs> Um, so, so as long as we're uh, in the uh, throwout phase of this, Cooper, tell me how you know the Abbots. Well, so one of my uh, best friends, his name's Patrick Smolder. Um, the Smolders are by marriage to the Abbots. His mom is the Abbott family. And, you know, they, they have their cabin there that's been there since the early 1800s. And they've, it's a historic site and it's, it's the same cabin. And they've got, I don't know how many acres. Um, and uh, they've had horses there. You know, they've um, just been pillars of the Fayetteville community for decades. And I've just been fortunate. He, the son, Patrick, which is my age, a little bit older, he's really put shouldered a lot of the effort to keep it like keep the grass cut keep the barn alive keep the cabin restored and you know i don't, I don't know his future plans with bringing people there maybe he'll turn it into some sort of like a attraction but um a lot of credit to him for keeping it alive throughout the family were you at judge abbott's funeral i was there? not no no you know he's buried there at the family yeah cemetery. yeah they've got the family cemetery there and yeah i thought maybe we, i was there i thought we may have met there. That would um, have been funny. Yeah. yeah. Coincidental. Yeah. Did you know the outfitter? I'm drawing a blank. I know him and I just can't think of his name. Uh, uh, he was from Hamilton, Montana. He ran fishing trips. Yeah. So, yeah, that's just recently he, died. Yes. Yes. That is, um, I'm trying to, um, it might be Patrick's uncle or great uncle in that regard. Um, but yeah, take people out fishing out in Montana. Yep. Yep. Yeah. He was, I fished with him a number of times. He was a great guy. Mm -hmm. But anyway, that whole Abbott family, you know, it's funny, Judge Abbott, you know, judges are obviously, they have to be careful, uh, but Judge Abbott, like his entire career wore this old beat up class six hat. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a ball cap that he wore when he's walking around town. Now, you know, here's a bunch of Buckeyes and there's nothing better than having the circuit judge wearing an old beat up hat of yours. Right. So, you know, it was, he, he was, you know, there's a lot of respect in me for people that are now gone that saw this vision and understood it. And you probably mm -hmm. got it at it in this interview, but it, it, the, those people were, you know, I look back 60 years ago and they got, the, the vision is exactly what is here. Exactly. Yeah. You'd use that phrase playground too earlier, not in the interview, but outside of this. And I, I think you're right that even that term playground still fits now, 60 yeah. years later. Yeah. They use that word. They kept saying we can make this a national playground and you're, you're right. I mean, new river gorge national playground, the first national <laughs> playground. I think that's what we should, that's actually what we've just named it via the uh -huh. Mountaineer media podcast. But uh, I, I I'm, I'm with you. That'll be the <laughs> I told you it's an evolution. That could be the next step. That's it. I like it. All right. Nice talking to you guys. Dave, take care, buddy. Best of luck yeah. to you, man. And, and we'll be in touch and, and good luck. Thanks again. Yeah. Love to get together on the river sometime. Thanks. See Thank you. Dave. All right. And thanks again to Dave Arnold for coming on and talking a little bit about the gorge and all of the great things going on down there. Of course, great backstory that spans over the last 60 years of how they've been trying to make that place a national park. Finally, finally it's happened. 
It's a national park and preserve, and we're excited about it. Hopefully you are too. Thanks again to Dave for coming on and talking a little bit about that. Hey, we've got a website coming. I don't know if any of you guys are on the www dot or not, but uh, the World Wide Web. But Coop Mason and I have been working day and night trying to get this thing up and running. It's going to look good. I promise you're going to want to see it when it is finally done. So be sure and stick around for that. And as always, be sure to stick around right here on the Mountaineer Media Podcast.